I'm always getting asked, what should I do with my engagement ring? Well, I finally have the answer. Sell it with Worthy. I'm partnering with Worthy so you can turn your wedding jewelry into cash, fast and risk-free. Worthy is great because their competitive auctions ensure you get the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on by selling with Worthy. If you're ready to move on from your ring, visit worthy.com moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com moms when you're ready to move on. This week on Moms Moving On. In your definition, like what is financial abuse? Yeah, it it really can vary widely. And oddly enough, Michelle, sometimes it looks like just beautiful affection at first because (laughs) it's this manipulation of like, you know, gifting somebody things or like, you know, just slowly kind of taking control. The more control that they give up in terms of their access to finances, the more this other person takes on that kind of power imbalance and and takes on that role of just not allowing them access in some cases, not allowing them to work in some cases. You know, for some people, it is actually hiding money. Most of the time when we're talking about financial abuse, it more has to do with that power dynamic. But there certainly are times where uh, one of the spouses is, you know, moving money off the books, you know, so there's all different kinds of financial abuse that come up when working through divorce cases. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so happy to be here with you. I have an old friend on with me today. Her name is Leah Hadley, and she's the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Divorce Financial Solutions, where she is on a mission to provide women compassionate financial guidance before, during, and after a divorce so that they can secure financial confidence and independence. Oh my goodness. If you're listening to this, you're like nodding your head because you're desperate for some financial confidence in this divorce game. Leah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So you have been helping. So give us, give us like the Leah pitch. Like I want to know <laughs> how you fell into this as a specific niche. Um, it was, it was a long and windy road. <laughs> so I started my Isn't career. Isn't it always? <laughs> the best stories always are. Um, I started my career as a teacher. I have a master's degree in education. I taught third grade in Baltimore City Public Schools. And I got really burnt out in the classroom and I took a temp job (laughs) um, at an investment bank in Baltimore at the time. Um, And it was just an administrative role. Uh, It was back when equity research reports were still being published manually. And so I was helping them to work with the software developers on automating their publication system. And I didn't know what anybody was talking about. When I walked into that investment bank, I felt like a complete fish out of water. I was you know, educated. I had a master's degree. I didn't know what stocks and bonds were. I didn't know what a balance sheet was. I had never taken an accounting class. And I remember that experience very well because it was very overwhelming. 
And I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to ask questions. I felt like I should know this and I should know that. Um, and that was my very first experience kind of in the investment world. Um, and I was very fortunate. I had some wonderful mentors at that firm. And I was able to do all of my licensing exams there and actually become a equity research analyst and published uh, stock reports. Amazing. And I mean, just <laughs> I came a long way in a short time at that firm. I was very fortunate. Um, I went to, we got bought out, you know, it was uh, 2008, 2009 when all of the firms were consolidating. And I went to another firm that was an independent sell-side firm that allowed me to really grow in my career and my um, responsibility um, and and really dive deep into stock analysis and valuation and um, learn a lot. Again, I had great mentors throughout my career, but we wanted to have a family. And so at the time I was married to my ex-husband and that kind of role does not lend itself well to having a family and being present for children. And so mm -hmm. I decided to give a, a try working with individuals and families just as a traditional financial advisor. Um, and I worked for a big firm and quickly found that they have one way of doing things in terms of servicing their clients. Um, and I like to serve people in the way they need help. And especially what I found was for those who are going through a divorce, you know, traditional financial services are not structured in such a way that they really do provide the kind of support that people are looking for. Um, and I had an opportunity when I was there to start learning more about divorce financial planning, divorce financial analysis. I obtained a certified divorce financial analyst designation at that time. And then went through my own divorce. Oh and my so God. I had <laughs> a whole different view of what, what kind of support people need going through that process. Um, my children were young at that time. My, my youngest was still a toddler. Um, and so navigating like the co-parenting and, you know, trying to figure out, especially that first year was an absolute nightmare. Um, and the money was completely overwhelming. Now, this was back when, you know, the housing market had really fallen out and we were underwater on our mortgage. And so like one of us was going to get stuck with the house. This was in a situation where we like we wanted the, the house, you know, so it was a tough financial burden uh, coming out of our situation. And so it really helped me to understand, you know, the, the challenges that people are faced with. And it's not just about the money. It's about being there for your family and the, you know, need of taking care of your kids and, and all of these different priorities conflicting with each other all at mm -hmm. once and trying to sort through all of this. Um, and so I've been very fortunate that I've been able to establish my own firm and really meet people where they're at in terms of how I can help them, both from my own personal experience, but now working with hundreds of individuals and couples over the years. And it's such a need. I hear from women all the time, you know, when they when they come to me for a consult or they fill out my intake form, they say, I need help figuring out how to co-parent and I don't know what to do about the financial piece, whether they're worried they're going to have enough money or worse, they have experienced financial abuse in the marriage, um, abuse of any kind, and now having to manage their own money and do that for themselves when they're so used to having to hide and and ask permission, that's a huge transition. Have you worked with a lot of women who have experienced financial abuse? I have. I worked with a lot of women in this situation. Um, and, you know, it looks different in different families. Yeah. Um, I want to know in your definition, like what is financial abuse? Yeah, it, it really can vary widely. And oddly enough, Michelle, sometimes it looks like just beautiful affection at first because <laughs> it's this manipulation of like, yeah. you know, gifting somebody things or like, you know, just slowly kind of taking control in a way that looks 
from the outside, like it's a positive thing. Um, but what some people find is over the years that, you know, the more control that they give up in terms of their access to finances, the more this other person takes on that kind of power imbalance and, and takes on that role of just not allowing them access in some cases, not allowing them to work in some cases. Um, you know, in my case, I was the main earner in our family. However, we had a ton of conflict around finances um, because we had very different money mindsets where I felt very much like, you know, I'm capable of earning and um, I want to enjoy the fruits of my labor. Um, my husband at the time really wanted to save every penny and really wasn't comfortable with the way I spent. And it was a real source of conflict for us. Oh, in um, so you know. many homes, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, for some people, it is actually hiding money. Most of the time when we're talking about financial abuse, it more has to do with that power dynamic. But there certainly are times where uh, one of the spouses is, you know, moving money off the books, whether it's through a small business or it's to family members or, you know, so there's all different kinds of financial abuse that come up when working through divorce cases. And so what do you think women struggle with the most when they're now in a position where they either want to leave or they have their their marriage was ended for them, but they've experienced this kind of financial abuse for so long? You know, it's it's hard on so many levels. I mean, on just a bare kind of basic level a lot of women don't have access to funds. Um, and so just getting the money to actually get up and move or to you know have the freedom to be able to do that can be a huge obstacle for a lot of people. Um, and even just admitting it and owning the situation that people are in, because a lot of times we do see family members who are absolutely willing to step in and help out, even if just temporarily, to get somebody out of these situations. But you have to be able to ask for help. Yeah, well, that's um, and- the hardest part because I'm, I, I, and I hear it all the time. Like, you know, if you go to a parent or a grandparent and their views on divorce are, we stuck it out despite, you know, granddad's affairs and this, that, and the other thing, we don't believe in divorce. So it's going to be hard for you financially. You might as well just stick around. That's the advice a lot of people get. And it's it's scary and it's unfortunate. It is. And sometimes when that's the, you know, immediate family member advice, sometimes it's a friend, sometimes it's an aunt, sometimes it's a cousin. The fact of the matter is these things are becoming more talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. And so people are a lot more aware of some of the things that are going on behind the scenes nowadays. Now, a lot of times people don't necessarily see it in, you know, their um, you know, friend or family member's relationship, but they're more aware that these things are happening mm-hmm. um, and how incredibly detrimental they can be to people and to families. And so I think the fact that we're talking about it and we're having these conversations, even like this one, Michelle, to bring it to light so that way people know that there are people that they can ask for help, right? That, you know, we're we're starting to have these conversations and there are safe people to ask for help to figure out how to navigate these things. But it's more than just access to funds. A lot of times, it's, it's there's a mindset around it. You know, I met with a woman a few weeks ago. She actually physically came into the office. We primarily work virtually now, but she came into the office and she was telling me about this marriage that she's been in and her husband um, has been an alcoholic for years. And she's very concerned about some of the behaviors that she's seeing um, and really wants to protect herself financially, but has been yeah. unhappy in this marriage for a long time. And we looked at the numbers. And when we looked at the numbers, we found out that if she decided to move forward with a divorce, just based on everything they have going on right now, 
she would be financially fine. But it had taken her years, even just to look at the numbers, to even consider the possibility of what this might look like, because she was so fearful that the numbers were going to tell her that she was stuck in this marriage forever. And Um, that's, that is everybody's assumption, you know, mm -hmm. like, from all income backgrounds, that is the fear, either the fear of I won't have enough to survive or my lifestyle is going to have to change so much. I might be miserable. It's scary for women. Absolutely. And to see the light bulb go off, because it was nice her being physically in the office here, I could really see that moment of clarity like, oh, I I am empowered now to make a decision for myself. Yeah. You know, whatever she decides is, you know, right for her, good for her. But she at least knows the information and can make an informed decision. And that's so important to really know rather than to just assume that you're stuck in a situation that's not healthy. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. What are some of the struggles that a woman has coming out of a marriage where there was financial abuse and now she's able to spend freely and take care of herself? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It it goes kind of like it swings in both directions. So for some of the women that I work with who are coming out of these situations, they are so afraid to spend even a penny of their settlement. Um, They are just pinching every penny and are very, very concerned that they're going to run out of money um, and that they are still not in control. It's like they're giving the power over to money almost, if you will. Um, And I do a lot of education around the fact that money is just a tool. It doesn't have emotion. It doesn't have power. We give it those things, but it's a tool. That's that we—that's <laughs> great. You're um, right. But it's a tool that we can learn to use and we can learn to use it well, right? Um, And so some people, like I said, are just really, really scared and are living in this scarcity mindset. And then there's the other extreme where a lot of times people haven't been able to spend for years and years. So they're making it rain. That's right. (laughs) And so now they're they're spending. And I would say those are the more, I I would guess, I would see dangerous situations for somebody to, to be in because, you know, if they're not planning well and they are spending a lot uh, and they're not, they don't have any other plan to bring more money in, they can get themselves into a tough situation. Yeah. So you help people sort of avoid that. Like, here's what you can spend without losing sleep at night, without, you know, waking up one day and it's all gone. Um, I can imagine it's really scary. I remember, you know, I am not, I, I am admittedly not a good budgeter and I didn't experience financial abuse in my first marriage, thankfully, but I came out of my marriage and now had to financially support myself and my daughter. And I was terrified all the time. Like how, I mean, it was, it was scary. You know, my biggest fear was that I wouldn't be able to make rent or pay her, her preschool tuition. And I lived in that fear all the time. It was really hard. Yeah. And that is such a hard way to live because it is that fear is present all the time for people who are experiencing that. And sometimes, Michelle, it really is as straightforward as creating a plan, having that document to illustrate for you. 
this is how much you have to spend. And you can feel very confident in spending this amount, right? And this is what it means today. And this is what it means for you in the future. But the other big challenge that I see people uh, experiencing as it relates to spending is that they are feeling very, um, what's the word? Like they, they're just feeling bad about the situation changing for their children, whether their children are at home or their children are adult children. And so a lot of times people spend more on their children during this time period um, because they're feeling- Why are you looking at me like that, Leah? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really common, right? And so, you know, when you're spending more on your children during this time period, sometimes you are going to put yourself in a tough cash flow position, um, at least for a period of time. But a lot of people do get stuck in this routine, especially with their adult children, of continuing to support in a way that doesn't allow for their own long-term financial planning. So, you know, spending more and more and more on your adult children and not necessarily having the funds available for retirement for yourself. Yeah. I think for me, I had that. I, I so relate. That's why I said what I said, but <laughs> it was like, I, just because I was a single mom, I was, did not mean my daughter was going to go without. And so I did stretch myself thin and I did make sure she was signed up for all of the activities and, you know, got the same things her friends had because I felt that I would have done this very differently now, but this was six years ago. I felt like it was a reflection on me and she shouldn't have to suffer because of my adult choices. But it's yeah, hard, hard it to is. pull yourself out of that mindset. It's, it is. It's hard. It's common. But I will say, you know, when you when you model good money management behavior for your children, you're setting them up for a lifetime of financial success. Um, and so when you show them and you communicate with them, this is where things are right now. Doesn't mean it's always going to be that way, but this is how things are right now. And you're making decisions based on your values and your priorities, and you can communicate those things. Now, I know I have children. They're not always going to like the result. They may not be getting what they want, but you are really setting them up for good money management skills, good financial behavior that really will serve them for the rest of their life. I agree with that so much. I think, you know, saying yes all the time. What is what is it? Spoil the child, spare the rod or something like that. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that saying yes all the time, you know, it just puts added pressure on you. And I think parents forget that what children really need in a divorce are not the things. It's the time right. and the attention and the connection that matters most. So if you're stressing about money and what you can't give your kids and how much your ex may be giving the kids, it's they're not going to grow up remembering what they were given or even what you did for them. It'll be how they were made to feel. So that that has a lot more value. Absolutely. And don't worry about what your ex is doing. Just because they're spending money, number one, doesn't mean they have it to spend. So that's really important to know. People are always looking that's at like social most media. people, yeah. Right, yeah. People look at social media and they see these amazing vacations and they see like, you know, this new car or this new home or whatever it is. But in going through people's finances every single day in the work that I do, I can tell you there are plenty of people who are doing those things who cannot afford them. Um, and so just because they're doing it doesn't necessarily mean that they can afford it. But even if they can, at this point, you want to really look at your own life and what you want to create in your life and not not so much about what everybody else is going on. Yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, the whole Disney dad thing for moms is it's a real fear and I get it. You know, the other parent's going to be more fun. They have more money. They can do better stuff. But I say all the money in the world can't replace a, a good, loving, safe connection with a parent. So Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so what else, what else are you seeing? Like what's common these days? I know, you know, divorce is 
prevalent. It's it's never going to stop. It's going to keep happening. Do you think women are becoming more secure in their money mindset or is it still a work in progress? It's absolutely a work in progress. And the really difficult thing, Michelle, is the laws are changing to recognize the fact that both parents are able to work. And there are a lot of families where, you know, there's an agreement between the parents that one of the the parents is going to stay home. And homeschooling is a big, big uh, trend right now. More and more families choosing to homeschool their children and one of the parents staying home and homeschooling the children. But the laws are changing such that, right, there's less child support, there's less alimony, assuming that, you know, both parents are sharing parenting time, both parents are capable of earning an income. And so a lot of people are really struggling from a financial standpoint because there isn't the kind of alimony that there used to be. um, post. Well, I'm in Florida where they just did away with permanent alimony. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and we see it across the country. I mean, it's different in different states. Absolutely. Um, but it, it it's a big issue, especially we work with a lot of women who are in their 50s, even their early 60s, who maybe have stayed home for the last 30 years. And now, based on the financial situation, realistically, they do need to earn an income. And that can be terrifying to of have course. to re-enter the workforce when you've been out of the workforce for so long. If you don't feel like you're up to snuff with technology or, you know, there's just a lot of skills and a lot of things that have changed over the last 30 years. Um, and that in and of itself can feel completely overwhelming. I can totally Imagine. I mean, I, I can't imagine that that has to be so difficult. So, bringing it back to, um, you know, if a woman is listening to this who is in a marriage where it's not good and a light bulb is going off and she thinks there might be financial abuse, what is what is the first thing you would tell her to do? Yeah. So you want to, if you're thinking that you want to leave um, or even considering it, you want to start gathering information. Um, you have the most amount of access to information when you are still living together in the home together. Now, a lot more people are getting statements and things online. So you're not seeing as many statements coming in the door. Um, but, you know, taking pictures of things, starting together, making copies of things, if you have access to information, you know, especially in these situations where there has been abuse, this is where we see a lot of documents disappearing and, you know, discovery is a much more difficult process in some of these cases. And so the more that you can gather and have access to, um, the better off that you're going to be. And it'll save you money in your legal fees trying to look for, you know, gather this information through the divorce process. But also start to really set yourself up. Think about, you know, where could you go if you need to leave? Um, mm-hmm. Where can you store information if you need to store physical documents? You know, what are you going to live on? You know, sometimes people who maybe only have access to like a debit card for groceries or something like that might start getting a little bit of money, extra money every time they go to the grocery store, cash back, just so that it's not noticeable, but they can start to kind of squirrel away a little bit of cash if they don't have access to funds. That can be really helpful. Um, but make yeah. sure you put it somewhere where it's not going to be found. That's that's very, very important if that's not in the freezer, ladies. <laughs> this isn't good, fellas. No, um, no, but that's really good advice. I remember my mom telling me when she was needing to leave her marriage to my dad, she was she was just kind of putting away for a rainy day because she never knew what might happen. That's that's such great, like old school, simple, wholesome advice. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so if you suspect that you are a victim of financial abuse or you have been financially abused in your marriage and now you just need to like rebuild your relationship with money, people, I can't suggest Leah enough. You have to get in touch. Are you able to help people nationally? 
Yes, we help people all over the country. And we even have a group program specifically designed for women who are new to managing money on their own. And it's all about really increasing their financial confidence, but also their financial literacy. So where a lot of financial advisors focus just on one area, we really marry the whole money mindset issue with the skill, the money management skills. So that way you can really build that financial confidence in a meaningful way. God, if I knew you six years ago, this is wonderful. <laughs> Leah, where can everybody find you if they are ready to change their money mindset and take control of their finances? Um, well, you would definitely want to join our Facebook group, Watch Her Thrive, Watch Her Ooh. Thrive. Um, that is a great safe space to ask questions. There are lots of women in that group who have been exactly where you are um, and are going through the same things that you're going through. We offer lots of free education there. Um, so that is a fantastic place to find us. Thank you, Leah. And for our listeners, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have not experienced this level of abuse because it can be scary. But if you have, now you know there are solutions, there are answers, and there is life after financial abuse. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high-conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms, and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my Moving On Method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Maltak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.